Thank you very much. It's a privilege and a joy to be with you this morning at Winchester Vineyard. Thank you for the welcome. Uh, it's a nice part of the world, isn't it? I just, yeah, I mean, we live in Birmingham, so it's quite a contrast. <laughs> we, we were walking around yesterday and I kept saying to Rosie, this is really nice around here. And uh, Rosie's from the South Coast. Rosie's from kind of Gosport, Portsmouth area. And so she knows this part of the world well. But when we're resisting any pull to come here. It's just, we're in Birmingham, okay? It's where we're meant to be. <laughs> but you've, God's, God's been kind to you to give you a lovely place to live. Um, can you get your Bibles and can you turn in your Bibles um, to Genesis chapter 17? Um, I'm very aware this morning that sometimes when we gather and we do church, there's a, an unusual sense of um, calmness or peace or um, um, just something's happening in the moment. And this morning is one of those mornings. Just aware that the Lord is present by his spirit. You know, theologically we know that God is with us all the time. But there are moments when he chooses to uh, show up and show off <laughs> in terms of what he does in our lives. And actually this morning is one of those mornings. Um, I just had the privilege of praying with a friend over here and just he experienced some healing as we were just you know, in a prayer time. And I think the Lord has started something this morning and he wants to um, meet with us. I think the Celtics, they used to talk about thin spaces, this, these places and environments where uh, the kind of the the reality between this age and the age to come in terms of is, is kind of quite thin and actually very aware of God's presence and God's power to do stuff and I just want to leave you with an expectation that as we have the rest of our morning um, God is not contained to a moment when we say come Holy Spirit and it's the ministry time <laughs> the Lord is here and moving as we're in his presence so some of you um, experienced something happening as you were prayed for um, some of you felt just a bit of hope start to land in your heart. Others felt some healing. I felt when the gentleman leading worship just paused and said, actually, this is what the Father wants to do. I really felt the Lord wanted to bring some healing for people, particularly um, uh, people with restricted movement in their joints. Um, and uh, you just got mobility issues and restrictions, neck pain, just different things where you haven't got full freedom and movement in joints. I feel like God was starting to bring healing in, his, in worship. Uh, for others, the thing that was healing was actually planting some hope in your spirit, where you've just had some stuff that's been taken a pounding for you. Um, for others, it's comfort, just expectation that God is good and he's with us when we gather. So just want to put that out there, that, that don't, you don't have to wait for prayer time if you feel like God is starting to get your attention. There are ways that we can cooperate with what God wants to do. You know, things can go on and we can just, just kind of move on, but sometimes in our hearts, having a posture that slows down a little bit, pauses and say father i want to welcome what you want to do in my life today so just feel free to do that in the in the talk and and what's going on because the lord is here and he's got good in store for us because that's who he is isn't it wonderful so we're back in genesis chapter 17 <laughs> and i'm going to take a little time this morning to talk about this um this subject of living an adventurous faith this idea that we are called as christ followers to live a life of faith and to do that in a way that is just kind of exciting that's what we're meant to be and there are lots of barriers that we can put in the place so maybe you find yourself here today you've not really said uh, a deep yes to God in terms of following him maybe you've been inquiring about faith maybe you've been around church maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time I want to take some time to look in uh, Genesis chapter 17 at a story do you know I've been made by God and you've been made by God and we are invited into a life of adventure and the adventure is a few things it's number one to get to know God just to get to know him to be in relationship with him but also to become all that I'm meant to be 
as a person and to do all that I'm meant to do. And that really is the heart of an adventurous faith. It's to know and get to know God, to become who I'm meant to be and do the things that I'm meant to do. That's what we're invited to do. In fact, Bear Grylls, you might have seen some of the adverts on the buses of Bear Grylls um, advertising Alpha. And he talks about the life of adventurous faith this way. Just glance at the screens for a moment. What does it take to live a life of adventure? The truth is, the first step is always the hardest. That's the one that takes the most courage. But I've learned not to run from that fear and just do it. My Christian faith can be a little up and down, like any relationship. It has struggles and it has doubts. But it's so often brought light to a dark path warmth to a cold mountain and strength to a failing body. I remember crawling onto the summit of Everest and clearing the snow from my mask to see the curvature of the earth at the edges. But finding a simple faith that empowers my life, to me, that's been my greatest adventure. That's his description of the life of faith, that first step, taking the choice to trust God. Well, I'm going to talk, look, talk about a story about a couple of wonderful old people. It's a story of Abraham and Sarah in the Bible. So in Genesis chapter 17, we've got a couple of old folks there on the screen if we can. Sweet old couple. It's just a lovely story. Now, there's a great bit that... When we, when we get to read the Bible and we get to look at the stories, there's an encouragement that we get glimpses of who God is and how God works. We get an insight into God's character, but also how God chooses to deal with people like you and me. And so when we read the Bible, there's a way of kind of putting ourselves in the story and saying, what does this story speak to me about who God is and how I can connect with him? In fact, 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 in the message puts it this way, every part of scripture is God-breathed and it's useful one way or another, showing us the truth exposing our rebellion and correcting our mistakes, training us to live life God's way. Through the word, we're put together and shaped up for the tasks that God has for us. And that's what the scripture does for us. And this story gives us a few insights into the nature of an adventurous faith. There are a few little pointers here. There are five things that that we can actually sometimes limit God in this adventure of faith by a bunch of things. Next screen, if you would. We can limit God by our impatience. We can limit God by our past experiences and boxing him in. We can sometimes limit God by our circumstances or our past failures. And we can limit God by our passivity, but that's not what we're called to do. And just to give you a bit of a storytelling on this one, we're going to read chapter 17, verse 1 in a moment. But, but you've got Abraham and Sarah, and they've been spoken to by God. They've got a promise. Abraham has left his family and he's kind of gone and followed God and he's 75 years old and God says to him, I'm going to make you the father of a nation. He says, in fact, get out your tent for a minute and have a look. Look up at the sky. He sees all these stars. And then look at the sand. You know, you're going to, your descendants are going to be huge. You're going to have this massive family. I'm going to make you a father of a nation. And that's the promise. And then time goes by and time goes by. And after 10 years, nothing's happening. Sarah's had no kids, they haven't had any kids and actually what's happening in that waiting? There's a frustration and then what um, Sarah does, his wife, he says listen it's really important that you have this family line because there's a promise but I seem to be the blockage why don't you actually sleep with my maidservant Hagar 
because she was so concerned about the family line going on. It's described, but not endorsed in the Bible, just to put it out there. It's descri- <laughs> described to say the family line is important. So actually, Abraham um, sleeps with Hagar, and they have a son called Ishmael. And that's the sort of an 11-year gap from the first time the promise comes. And then they're thinking, well, maybe this is the child of promise, and God's going to be good, and we're going to get this family. And then God turns up again, and that's where we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 17 and verse 1. When Abraham was 99 years old the Lord again appeared to him and said I am God almighty walk before me faithfully and be blameless wow so God is calling unto him and actually he actually says listen um, I, I'm still got a purpose I've still got a promise that's over your life walk before me and be blameless it says then I'll make my covenant between me and you and I will greatly increase your numbers that's what he says it's a promise well first things we see here don't limit God Almighty by your impatience do you know we live in a society in a time in an age where we don't like waiting for anything if you've got a phone that needs an upgrade and you're trying to you know get a website to load and it takes more than a millisecond you're getting annoyed I mean we just we just don't like waiting do you I saw this thing about lifts pop the next slide up for us do you know the the, the door close button in a lift that's not linked to anything it's just it's a placebo it's just a mechanical placebo to deal with your impatience it doesn't do anything in the vast majority of lifts in the UK it's just there for your impatience to feel better (laughs) because people know you feel better it doesn't do anything though just next time you're in there we we just don't like waiting and actually sometimes the adventure of faith means that we we can limit God by our impatience he's not doing it right now therefore he doesn't want to do it and he doesn't love me he doesn't care hasn't had my prayer do you ever feel that? He hasn't delivered in my time scale, therefore he doesn't care, doesn't know. And actually that can limit God and it can limit this adventure of faith because sometimes God doesn't work to our time scales. We measure things with a stopwatch and God measures things with a calendar. <laughs> you know, we measure things by seconds and he measures it by seasons. It's a different pace and a time scale sometimes. You know, what's the faith lesson here? Every single year that went by, when Abraham and Sarah were getting older, their ability to deliver on that promise was diminishing. Do you get my point? <laughs> I mean, every single year that went by and it wasn't happening, the possibility of it being a reality was just getting less and less and less and less. In the waiting, they were just more and more and more aware of their inability to live this life of faith and do the thing that they felt was a promise. So it had to be a God thing or nothing was going to happen. And sometimes we get to that point where our own resources feel like they're diminishing, our own capacity to deliver is diminishing, and that's where faith comes in, because that's where God reveals himself in this story. He says, I am God Almighty. This is the first time in human history, in the story of the Bible, where until God actually uses this word El Shaddai, it's what it is in Hebrew, it's El Shaddai or God Almighty. God is revealing something of his character in a particular point in the storyline when these guys are saying basically our ability to make this happen is just not there. Our our capacity to deliver on this promise is diminishing and God says I am God Almighty. He reveals something of his character in the name that he spoke into that moment that we see in Genesis chapter 17. I'm on God Almighty, walk before me blamelessly and be faithful. Then I'll make my covenant between me and you and I'll greatly increase your numbers. Do you know sometimes in our story God wants to reveal himself. He wants to reveal something of his character. This was the first time that the word God Almighty as a description of God was revealed in the scriptures. And you don't know God as your provider until you're facing lack. You don't know God as your comforter until you're in a point of grief. 
You don't know God as your peace until you find yourself stressed out. You don't know God as your shield until life is giving you a pounding. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations and storylines and God is wanting to reveal something of his character to us. And it's very easy when things are happening and our faith is being tested to say, why God, why are you asking, why is this happening, why is this going on? Maybe we ask a different question, not the why question, but the, the what question. What do you want to show me about who you are in this story? What do you want to reveal about your character in my adventure of faith right now that's challenging? Because if they just ask the, why God, why not now, why not now, it's not happening. But God actually shows a different way to reveal himself. He said, this is who I am. This is what God was showing about his character, that he was the one that was God Almighty. Next thing we see is don't limit God Almighty by your past experience of God. It'd be very easy to box God in, and actually we do that all the time. Well, God hasn't done this with me in the past, he's not going to do it with me in the future. They'd had a story, they'd had a promise, and the promise was this, that Abraham, you're going to be a father of a nation. That's one promise. But then God comes and mercifully upgrades that promise. Look at it in Genesis chapter 17 verses 3. If you've got your Bibles, follow with me. Abraham fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You'll be the father of many nations. He's upgraded things. No longer will you be called Abraham. Your name will be Abraham, for I've made you the father of many nations. His first hope was to be the father of a family, and it wasn't happening. He'd taken Hagar in, he'd done it in his own strength, and had Ishmael. And then God's saying, I'm upgrading things, the promise is still true, but you're not just going to be a father of a nation, you're now going to be a father of many nations. Verse 6, I'll make you very fruitful, I'll make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I'll establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you, and your descendants after you, for the generations to come, to be your God, and the God God of your descendants after you. God is changing his name right now from Abraham, which is means exalted father. That's what Abraham means, exalted father, a dad of one clan, to Abraham, which means the father of many nations. When God gives somebody a new name, it means more than uh, just a name change. It's about a new destiny, a new future, a new expanded horizon of what God wants to do. God gives us a new name. He gives us a new future. He gives us a new destiny, an expanded horizon of what he wants to do. This whole thing is like a grace upgrade. When basically Abraham, exalted father, that's his name, has taken things into his own hands and done the thing that he felt was obvious. He slept with Hagar, they've had Ishmael. And actually God is saying, actually my grace is still there and I've got an upgraded promise for you. I'm not going to call you Abraham, just a dad of one clan. I want to call you Abraham, but you're going to know it's in my power. I'm God Almighty and I'm going to do this in your life. Isn't that a wonderful picture of God's grace? That even when he's taken things into his own hands and slightly messed up, God was good enough to him to give him a continued promise of his faithfulness. Don't limit God by your experiences. Don't box God in and say, God's only said this in the past. God might want to do more in your future. You know, sometimes we can limit God and say, God's used me in this way in the past, or I've seen him do this, and I've seen him do that, but I see other people in other areas of gifting and other things that they're calling out and doing with God, and you think, oh, I could never do that. And you box yourself in. We put these limiting words in things. We put limiting words to say, we're too old, or we're too young, or we're not qualified enough. And we do all these limiting phrases that kind of disqualify us, and all the time God is wanting to say, I want to speak over you that you're in, that you're involved, that you're part of this adventure. Let me just talk about something here. When you hear a God story, when you hear about an experience that someone else has had, uh, you've got a choice in that moment. We can limit God by our past experiences. And when I hear a story of someone's experiences, you've got a chance to either think, 
well, maybe you hear a testimony time at church or you hear a story of another church that's doing something or someone shares something. It could be an answer to prayer. It could be overcoming adversity or setback. It could be someone that's witnessed a breakthrough. It could be a story of provision, a story of healing. And when you hear a story, you have a couple of choices. You can either sit there and think, well, God hasn't done that for me. He must have favourites and go into a self-pity party. <laughs> you can do that. You can hear someone else's breakthrough story and think, well, I'm still waiting for my breakthrough and it hasn't happened. Why does he love them more than he loves me? He hasn't heard my prayer and get into a bit of a moaning kind of self-pity moment. Is anyone else? Is it just me that's only doing this? <laughs> I mean, I, I've been there once or twice and it can happen. Or you can say, do you know what? This story that I'm hearing is describing something about the God I worship. It might not be my story right now, but this has given me a glimpse into who God is and how he works with people and what he does. And so I'm going to choose to upgrade my thinking even if my experience isn't matching it right now. I'm going to live in a place where that's describing who my God is and he's done it in that person's life and I'm going to just say, Lord, I want to trust you that that is available to me as your son or your daughter because you love me just as much as you love them. So I'm not going to sit in self-pity and compare and get mopey but I'm going to say, thank you, Father, you're working, you're doing something. And I'm going to choose to not let my experience of you be limited by my past experiences, but I'm going to upgrade my thinking to realize, God, you want to do more, and I want to live in a place of faith. That's the adventure you've got for me. I heard a story that inspired me. A friend of mine who leads a church in London, Jason, was telling me about, he felt prompted by God to expand the kind of outreach of the church and do more stuff with children and families and uh, he felt this nudge in his heart that they should raise um, £30,000, quite a chunk of money to actually employ a, a children's and youth worker for a, for a year and uh, he said the budget was already stretched, we didn't have the money but I just felt like it was a I thought in my heart, I hoped in my heart that it might be a God thing and I felt I have to talk to the church anyway he speaks to the church and says just want to say that we're, we're praying we don't quite know how God's going to provide but we feel like, I feel like God is saying we need to invest in the next generation, both in the church but also in the community well unbeknown to him there's a wonderful lady in this church who's 17 <laughs> I love this bit 17 years ago was somewhere else in the country a member of a church and just felt God prompt her uh, in her in her world of work that I just she was praying one day and just felt the Lord say uh, you give to church that's wonderful but I want you to just do this other thing I want you to take a little bit of money every month pop it in a bank account <laughs> it's it's for it's for children and young people and at some point in the future I'll call on that money wow so she's there faithfully saving away putting in a bit of money every month it just becomes part of her routine of obedience God said do it so she's doing it and she's got this little nest egg stacking up quite nicely because she's basically said I'm going to say yes and I'm going to just trust you that at the right time you'll speak to me well anyway 17 years later she's sat in church oh that's simple that's me she didn't quite do it in the middle of the congregation go woo pick me but she's, she went to Jason after and said I think, I, think, um, I think we've got the answer to your, um, the thing that God's been saying and told 17 years ago I started to I don't actually know what the bank balance is so I better go and check guess what it was yes you guessed it <laughs> don't, you, don't you love that story now I, I can either go well obviously the Lord really loves Jason <laughs> I've not, had a, I've not had a story like that. <laughs> He's got favourites and I'm not one of them. <laughs> or I go, oh my goodness, that's a great way to hear how God can work. Now I'd love to be on both sides of the story, quite honestly. I'd love to be in the position that I think we need to have 50,000 and someone provides it. 
because that would be fun, wouldn't it? But also, I'd like to be on the other side of the story where God has access to all that I have and he could say to me, Andrew, I want you to start putting £100 a month in a separate bank account and I'll call on it at some point in the future for X, Y, Z. Are we open to both sides of the story? Because you just, you just love, <laughs> it's easy to love the one side, isn't it? The breakthrough side. Whoa, provision. But what about the sense that I could be part of God's adventure by growing in generosity or by praying more or by serving in some way. Isn't that fun? That's the adventure of faith. And when we hear a story, it gives us the chance to think that describes a bit of a, of a life that's surrendered and an adventurous faith. And I have the choice to hear that and be inspired to move into that place and not just be self-pitying or comparing, but say, Lord, as I hear about people stepping out in faith, I have the choice to go there. Excuse me. Okay, next thing. Oh, thank you. Oh, every, every church has got their boxes. Got their bit tucked down. Um, don't limit God by your circumstances. Yeah, you use them a lot. Where were we? Um, don't limit God by your circumstances. I love the honesty of Abraham in this story. It says in the New Testament that when he was thinking about this promise you know you're going to be a dad in fact you're going to be a dad of many nations he wasn't sitting there and thinking I'm feeling glorious I'm feeling full of life he wasn't he wasn't kind of strutting around thinking he was all kind of God's man for the moment he just it says in Romans 4 verse 19 he considered his body as good as dead Wow, that's a pretty bleak description, isn't it? How are you feeling today, Abraham? Well, honestly, I consider my body as good as dead. Look, I don't want to be indiscreet here, but if there was an urban Bible translation, it would read probably something like this. His target is a family, but the reality is he's firing blanks. I mean, it... It wasn't happening, was it? I mean, he, he knew it wasn't happening. It had to be a God thing. If something was going to happen. He considered his body as good as dead. You know, he was under no illusion that if this promise was going to have to happen, it was going to be a God moment. So faith and the adventure of faith is not denying the existence of the problem. It's just denying it a place of significance. I get the problem, but I'm going to push beyond the problem to the promise of God. Do you hear that? It's not denying the problem. It's just denying it a place of significance in my heart. I'm not going to let that problem obscure God. I'm going to push through the problem into the promise of God. I'm not going to give my circumstance the final word. He might have spoken a promise over family life or for the church or for a area of ministry or for something going on at work. I'm not going to let the circumstances be the final word. I'm going to let God's promise be the final word. We face moments when we can't see our way out. We can't work out how to fix it. We can't work out how to fix the situation we're in. And that's when faith comes in when we say, God, I need you. I trust you. I live in that place of dependence. Do you know, we can always have these moments when we're disqualifying ourselves, thinking I'm too old, too young, too this, too that. The Bible's full of people doing that. So don't limit God by your circumstances. But also, I want to just look at this uh, thing of, um, in Psalm, just, just a psalm I love. So it says, I believe the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David was saying that. You know, sometimes you're in a situation and you're in this gap between, I think God said something and it's not quite happening yet. And you're in that stretch pace in the middle where your faith is being tested. And sometimes all you can do is say, God, I just choose in this moment, although I can't work it out, I'm choosing to lean into a place of trust. I'm just going to say my confidence is in you. I believe that you're good, that you want to do good in my life, that you're for me, that you're not against me, that nothing can separate me from your love, and I'm going to just let my heart be at rest 
in the fact that you're for me and I'm going to trust you. That's an active life of faith. Has anybody seen that trust game where you kind of you gather around and you kind of fall and you kind of you catch that? Have you ever done that in a youth group or something? Just have a glance at the screen for a minute. Just a little example of the trust game. And close your eyes and just fall down, okay? Okay, then Lauren's going to catch you. Okay, it's called the trust fall. Okay, trust fall. Ready, set, go. Um, just a note to dad when you do the trust fall just say which way you're going to fall <laughs> that, was a, that was an epic that was an epic fail by Lauren's dad there a lack of communication you know, so the next point is don't limit God by your past failures <laughs> do you know, we can have failures and mistakes uh, guilt and shame and paralysis can just come because we've messed up and actually I love the fact that God doesn't do that Abraham could have just limited God and said, I can't take on board that promise because I've messed up. I did the very thing that I shouldn't have done. You gave me a promise and then I slept with Hagar when actually all the time you wanted the promise to come through me and Sarah. And, I, and, I've just, and he could have just been beating himself up with shame and guilt, but he didn't do that. God came to him and upgraded the promise and was merciful. It was a picture of grace in action. Abraham then realized, well, actually... You've now reaffirmed a promise to me that you want to use me and you want to use Sarah and we're going to have a family. Not just a family, we're going to become the father of many families and many nations. That's different than what it was before. But actually, what about Ishmael over here? I'm torn because he's my son as well. And, and there's this wonderful prayer that we see. He says, God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing as well. Then God says, yes, he will. But Sarah will bear a son, and you'll call him Isaac, and I'll establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for descendants after him. Isn't it great that, that even with our mistakes and the things that we've done that are taking situations into our own hands and we've slightly done things a way that was not God's best, God can even be gracious enough to bless those Ishmaels, to say, yeah, I hear your heart, and I know you, you know you've messed up and you've done things and taken them into your own hands, but I'm still generous enough to be gracious and cover your mistakes. God doesn't say you've made your bed, lie in it, sort it out. He doesn't do that. He comes with grace and mercy and redeems those situations that have been a bit damaging in our lives. The last thing is don't limit God by your passivity. Just as we finish up this morning. What it says in this passage is Genesis 17.1 I am the Lord Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. One translation puts it this way. I am the Lord Almighty and live aware of my presence and be blameless. I love this idea of walk before me and be blameless. It's a picture of the Christian faith. It's a Christian of one step after another step. (laughs) One step after another step. Little steps, baby steps every day. Not those grand, huge gestures that look incredible. But the life of faith, when God spoke to Abraham, he says, look, walk before me and be blameless. As it says in Micah, he's shown you, man, what's good and what the Lord requires me to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Sometimes the simple, consistent things we do is the life of adventurous faith. It's that simple decision to say, I'm going to come to church every Sunday. And I'm going to put it in my diary first. I'm going to get involved in a life group. I'm going to get involved in an area of service. Simple little steps. What's the next step in your adventure of faith? What's the next step the Lord wants you to do? Rosie and I were challenged at the start of the year. We felt, Lord, what's the next step for us to grow in our faith? Because I don't want to get settled or bored or just like twiddling my thumbs. I want to be doing what you've called me to do. I want to live in a place of adventure. And we were just chatting to God and saying, God, what would it look like for us to take a next step? And we felt two things. We felt like growing generosity, push the envelope on your personal giving, that's what I want you to do. And I also want you to 
step out of the boat and live an adventurous faith in terms of getting it for us personally. And t- we, we, we love our job and we hang out with quite a lot of Christians in our job, mostly believers in church, funny enough. Um, but actually, and the staff team. Um, but we actually felt that uh, we'd, we're, we're nice to our neighbours and we love hanging out with our neighbours who, who don't know Jesus. But um, it, it, we have to be quite intentional about getting out of that kind of space of busyness with Christians and hanging out with people that don't know Jesus because they're the ones that we're meant to encounter and so we made a decision to lead the team uh, by going out on the streets doing um, treasure hunting healing on the streets all that kind of stuff just as a way to kind of say that's a next step for us to not let busyness be an excuse but to say we're going to step towards uh, the folks that you love most that you want to encounter people and so we've done it we've had some really amazing it's been scary but we've seen people get healed and people be transformed and all sorts of wonderful things but it was just for us a simple conversation to say if we want to live an adventurous faith what's the next step What's your next step? Maybe you're here today and your next step is to get meaningfully connected to community here. Rather than just popping in on a Sunday once in a while when you've got time. To say, actually, if I want to get fit, I would consistently go to the gym. That will help me. If I go once every six months, it's probably not going to really make much change in my life. But if I make it a habit and a consistent choice, then it's probably going to have more of an impact on me. And actually for us to consistently connect in a community like this helps us in this adventure of faith. To be involved in community in a group uh, helps us maybe to get into a recovery environment to actually deal with some of the stuff that's been painful in my life and not just get stuck there. Maybe the next step is to grow in a story of generosity. You hear a story about £30,000 provided and you think, wow, what a great story. Well, maybe the step for you is to start giving in some way. Make it a spiritual discipline that you grow in, a life of generosity. As we think about this life of adventurous faith, there are these different things that can inhibit or be kind of barriers. Don't limit God by your impatience. Maybe you're waiting right now and you felt like you've been waiting for a long time. Don't limit God by your past experience. Don't box them in. Don't limit God by your circumstances or your past failures or your passivity. But let's live this life of adventurous faith. Should we stand together and pray? I'm going to invite the Lord to come amongst us. I felt the Lord this morning wanted to um, give some people in the room the chance to just make a really clear choice to surrender to him. We can be in uh, church or we can be in situations that are challenging and maybe you've not, um, from the sort of the core of who you are, maybe you've not actually said, do you know what, I actually want to surrender the direction of my life to you. Because I don't get to dictate all the terms of this relationship that's not what following Jesus is it's not saying I have a bit of God in my life and you can answer my prayers but I'm going to say yes to certain things and no to certain things you know to follow Jesus and to live a life of faith is to actually say I'm relinquishing ultimate control and leadership over to you because I trust you I'm following I'm become a follower and I'm not demanding that I lead I'm following you and I'm trusting that you have good in store for me and I feel there could be some people here this morning and actually the next step for you is to actually honestly Say, I need to surrender the direction of my life to God. That it is, actually isn't my life. Jesus said this thing that if we try to hold on to our life, we lose it. But if we lay down our life at the feet of Jesus, then we find it. It's a paradox, but it's the way the kingdom works. There are others and you've just taken things into your own hands. You know that, like that story of Abraham and Sarah, you've just 
taken things into your own hands because things weren't in the time scale that you wanted them to. You've just kind of got on with things and driven and forced and it's just been damaging to you or other people. For others, you've just lost hope because your circumstances seem bleak right now. Just We want to welcome God's spirit amongst us and welcome his work here. Father, thank you that you're for us, that you're here in this place and thank you that you want us to understand something of your love and your presence that you have for every one of us an adventurous faith which involves trusting you with everything Father send your spirit amongst us now thank you that you're here by your spirit we pray that you'd move in power I felt God's Holy Spirit was encouraging me this morning that some of you discount yourselves some of you have discounted yourself out of being central in what God wants to do because of past failure. You feel like your past story is a barrier to a future uh, with God being involved. And God is wanting to say, Re- just reset your thinking. That's not how I deal with you. For others in the room, uh, you feel as if, oh, I'll pray for the young people and I'll you know, try and be supportive because they're the ones that can carry this thing now. But actually... God is saying there's an adventure for you in your 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s. There's purpose. He doesn't kind of lift off purpose. He's got purpose and influence and contribution that can come through your life. I'm just going to pray, invite the Lord to come and just be quiet in his presence for a moment. And then what we're going to do is we're going to have the chance to pray for one another. And how that's going to work is I'm going to ask you to do something proactive. I'm going to invite you to step forward because one of the things that God said to Abraham is walk before me and be blameless. Take a step, take an active step. And some of you have experienced a bit of healing already this morning or you've sensed God drawing close. The step that you can take is I'm going to move into that place where I can get prayed for. For others you need to take a step where someone can just pray with you in response to something that's gone on the message. But let me just ask the Lord to come. Father, send your spirit and just... Help us know if you're getting our attention in some way. We've said a lot of words this morning, but is there a phrase from you that you're trying to get through to our heart and you're trying to get our attention? If there is, we want to say yes. In a moment, friends, I'm going to invite you to step to the front. We're going to gather around and pray. And as we do that, the Lord will meet with us. Okay, if you'd like someone to pray with you, something that's been said this morning might have got your attention or you'd appreciate some prayer, you've experienced a measure of healing or you just have some, had someone pray with you but you, just, you want God to do something in your situation, just step out from where you are and come to the front. Uh, we'd love to pray with you right now. The Lord is here. We need some people that are part of the church as well just to be involved in this moment. Come right forward, it'd be really helpful. Um, that song that we sang was just just there was a life on it the atmosphere is changing because the spirit of the Lord is here and the atmosphere in your life can change when the spirit of God 
is here. And you can function under atmospheres of discouragement or despair uh, or a sense of failure or like you've blown it or like God is good to someone else but not good to you. The atmosphere that can be in your mind and your thinking, um, that can change when the Spirit of God comes and blows away the lies and starts to breathe the truth. Okay, we'd, we'd, be really, we'd really love it if a number of you that are part of the church family here, you've maybe involved in you know, in the community, you've been involved in a small group and you're comfortable praying, would you just come? We would like everybody who wants to receive prayer to be in the place that they can receive prayer. My, my invitation as you, as you pray and as you um, just start the prayer time, just simply invite the Lord to send a spirit. Just invite the Lord to send his Holy Spirit.